Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. All right, we are going to read this morning from Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Acts 20, verses 1 through 16. After the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to go to Macedonia. Now when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece and stayed three months. And when the Jews plotted against him, as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And Sopater of Berea accompanied him to Asia, also Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derbe, and Timothy, and Tychicus, and Trophimus of Asia. These men, going forward, waited for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days joined them at Troas, where we stayed seven days. Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together, and in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up and broken bread and eaten, and talked a long while, even until daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little, a little comforted. Then he went ahead to the ship and sailed to Asos, there intending to take Paul on board. For so he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. And when he met us at Asos, we took him on board and came to Mytilene. We sailed from there, and the next day came opposite a kiosk. The following day we arrived at Samos and stayed at Trogilium. The next day we came to Miletus, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so they would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. You may be seated. So as we've been going through um, the book of Acts, um, I want to remind ourselves of a simple truth that every one of us, we understand. And it comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And that is that all scripture is God-inspired. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And so most of you <clears throat> know by now that Greek word behind the scenes is theonoustos, which literally means God breathed. That God literally breathed the word of God. And then we're told by Peter that he literally did this by the Holy Spirit into holy men, and that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now you say, why are we bringing this up? Because I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times as I read through the Bible, and specific as I'm going through the book of Acts, and I read of Luke's accounting of the journey, that I wonder why he didn't spend more time in some areas, and he spends a lot of time in other areas. We're going to come up with this in just a moment, because now we have Paul, who just spent two years in Ephesus. 
And we had the riot. Remember, we ended, because we started off with it. And after the uproar ceased, right? Well, the uproar was that riot. And so we have a little bit of an, an understanding of what all happened in Ephesus. But he handles it all in just so many verses. But now, we're going to fly. We're going to go into Macedonia, into Greece, back to Macedonia, into in all these places, Troas. All because Paul was on his way to Jerusalem. And I wonder... Why is it that Luke doesn't give us more detail on certain things and he gives us less details on other things? What's the answer? Because that's the way God wanted it. <laughs> and that's where I got to leave it. Don't you ever did it when you were a kid sometimes, your mom and dad told you something and you wanted more? Why, why, why? And the answer is because what? Because I said so. <laughs> that's exactly, I mean, that's all you need to know at this very moment. Now, if you need more information later, I'll give you more information, but right now you need to take the garbage out. That's just all you need to know. But, but Dad, it stinks. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. God wanted us to know certain things along Paul's journey. And certain things on Paul's journey, he didn't think we really needed it. And that's where I have to what? I have to leave it. Now, what that says for me on the positive, now the negative side is, I sit there and I wonder and I want to conjecture and I want to extrapolate and I want to think about what all happened in those, those other places. Those make for those books that you read, you know, where, where they, they, they extrapolate and they put things in what the Bible didn't declare, right? But that excites me about the parts that are revealed. Just as Paul declares about the things that from the Old Testament that were revealed, they're revealed for our, our learning, right? So why are these things there? They're revealed for learning. And I can honestly tell you that this portion, this couple of verses of, of Acts, mean a whole lot to me. This little bitty occurrence in Troas has a whole lot of theology baked into it. Probably one verse, two verses that are there that we can just read past it. But God wanted us to know this for our learning, for our understanding. So we're going to go through this, four points. First of all, the thing I want to look at first um, is the fact of, of his travels, and that is that we saw how that um, Paul wants to go to Jerusalem. That's the end of the, the passage, right? But in order to get to Jerusalem, how's he going to get there? Well, he's going to travel to Troas. That, it, it skipped a whole section there. I have a whole map thing going on. So anyway, so the whole point here was I was going to show you how he's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to come up to Troas and, and through Macedonia, come down through Macedonia, into, into um, Greece, into Achaia, and then he's going to want to come to Syria, okay, which is a straight shot. So actually he's going to come up here into Syria, into Antioch, and then from Antioch he's going to take a boat down to Caesarea and up to Jerusalem. But when he goes to do that, he finds out that the Jews are trying to kill him. They're after him, right? So he changes his plan. Now understand he's rushing. At the end of the passage, we understand he's what? He's hurrying to get to Jerusalem by Pentecost. Okay? So, so he's here, and he wants to go here, but now he makes a detour, and he comes back all the way up through Greece into Macedonia, comes back then over to Troas. In the meantime, he sends his, his forward party, um, his advance party, to Troas to prepare the way before him. Okay? So you missed the whole part of the, of the map, so that's okay, but track where it's at, okay? Because we're going to go into this ministry team that he has. In the first part of the ministry team that he has, I have no idea what's gonna, how it's going to play out anymore. 
So we have this advance party, which are mostly Gentiles. Okay, this is really kind of cool for me. And the first thing I want to point out right away, and again, I like to point out when I disagree with translations. Okay, and this is an equal opportunity disagreement. Okay, because New King James, New American Standard, ESV, all have similar to what we just read in our Bible reading this morning. But in the Greek, it's different. Okay. And, and one of the things that caught my attention with it, and I was like, nah, this doesn't make any sense, is because as we read it, where, is, where was Timothy from? In, in the version, as we read it, where's Timothy from? Where does it say he's from? It's important to read for details. Somebody read it. Where does it say? Right in, back in the beginning, we have Sopater, Berea, we have um, of Asia. He's from Asia. Well, he's not from Asia. Where is he from? You should know this. Back from Acts 16, verse 1. Where is he from? We're told. Right here. I got it up here for you. A Derbian, even Timothy. Okay? So he's from Derby. Okay? He's from the Lystri Derby area. Okay? And so in the Greek, literally what it says, okay, is there are two, there's the word de. Okay? And a lot of translators like to translate de as and or but. And if you look at it, a dictionary, it's going to tell you and or but. But it really means now. It's a, it's a, it's a, a new concept, now. And if you put de, 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 then you can make it as an and, but it's kind of like making a, a listing of things, okay? Whereas chi joins things that are like, okay? So um, the book is red and white. I'm joining what? colors together, okay? But I'm referring to a book. <clears throat> and so, but I'm joining like things. That doesn't necessarily do that, okay? And so note in here, um, you have de, de, chi, 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 de, chi. It's bringing them together. So <clears throat> what that tells me as a translator, okay, is that there is a distinction that is being made with this word de than chi. Otherwise, it'd be using what? Chi. Okay, but chi can mean and, joining like things, or it can mean even or also, okay, because it's still joining the like things. So if you bring this together, okay, and this is the order in which it is in the Greek, okay. Oh, the other thing I need to tell you, and again, for the, some of you, just go like this because it's like you don't really care. De is post positive, huh? It always stands second in a sentence, okay, or in a phrase, okay? So you have to move it back to the front because that's where it belonged, but it always comes second. I don't, don't ask me why. I'm not that Greek scholar. I just know that that's how it plays out, okay? And so I know if I put salt in something, it's going to become what? Salty. I, I don't know why, but it just does. I mean, you, you chemists can tell me why. I don't know why. I just know that it does it. So, so you have now accompanying him, that is Paul, until Asia, and the word there is an until. So to, to that point, but it adds a little bit more now, right? Because we don't know whether these guys, what, all continue to follow him, okay? We know that um, one of them does, Trophimus does, because it's going to cause a big uh, uproar when he gets to Jerusalem later on, okay? It says, now, accompanying him until Asia, Sopater, a Berean, and that's literally what it says, Sopater, a Berean, okay? And then it says, of, in the uh, genitive, of Thessalonica, Thessalonike, now, Aristarchus, Chi, and Secundus, and Chi, Gaius. But then there's no more Chi before Timothy. Well, that would make sense if Timothy was from that area, but it's not. But you have the next word, a Derbian. A Derbian. So you either have to decide you have another guy named 
Derby, or it's referring to the city of Derby, and then right next to it, and even Timothy. I like that then to the city. Since he's going through areas, Berea, Thessalonica, then he's referring to the city of Derby, which makes sense, again, from God's word, Acts 16, verse 1, that Timothy was from the city of Derby. Okay? And then afterwards, you have another what? Death. Now, starting a new list. Now you have the Asians, the Asians. I, I say Asian because actually that's really how you pronounce it. It wouldn't be Asia. That's what we say in English. Okay? But the, in the Greek, it's Asia. Okay? And so it's a province. So you have Tychicus and Trophimus. And that makes sense because Trophimus actually was from Berea. Okay? And so do I have my lines? I do. So we have, or from, from Berea, he was from Ephesus. So you have Sopater, who was from Berea. This is kind of fun. Okay? Then you have, you have the two from Thessalonica. Okay, Arist are three, Secundus and Gaius. Then you have Timothy all the way over here in Derby, and then you have Tychicus and Trophimus, who were from the Asia province. And literally, we're told Trophimus later on, we're told that Trophimus is actually from Ephesus. And what's fun about this is the, the look of these, this group, okay, the body of Christ, okay, is what I want to point out right here. The body of Christ is bigger than one area. Where did it start out at? Literally, where did the body of Christ start out? Jerusalem. We say Jerusalem because of the church, because of Pentecost. But let's, let's, let's take that back a couple years earlier. Because really, who is the, the head? Who is the, the beginning? Who is the start of the church? Jesus. Where did he start? Where, where were those original disciples all from? Capernaum or Galilee. So you could actually say the church ultimately originated where? Galilee. Oh, yeah. And you start to think about this process, right? And Because he got these Galileans to start this, but now he's got these Galileans hanging out in Jerusalem, and he's using them to bring all of Jews to Messiah, right? And there at Pentecost, you had this amalgamation of Jews from all over, from around the world, who had come back for Pentecost. Isn't it kind of fun? Okay, and now he's doing the same thing with the Gentiles. We got to keep that in our brain that the church is bigger than our bitty church. The church is bigger than Augusta, Georgia. The church is bigger than whatever town you want to put it in. It's about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of put your name in it. Okay, and so what's fun for me is that Paul in his ministry and God's using him to to, to go throughout all this region to proclaim the gospel, that he has a team that's around him that's performing a lot of tasks in order that he might be able to proclaim the truth of God's word. Now think about this. Have we read yet that Sopater cast demons out of people? Have we read about Aristarchus healing anybody yet? No, we haven't. What about Timothy? I mean, Timothy is his son in the faith, right? He should have power. Did Timothy lay his hands on anybody and have them be speaking? No, all the miracles we've seen so far, all the mighty wonders we've seen so far coming through this whole area is by who? By Paul. God is choosing to use Paul as his man. And God has brought these other men to come alongside him to perform work in order to facilitate the ministry. Now, I don't know what all was going on 
with the Jews threatening and why Paul decided to come back through Macedonia rather than traveling to Syria. I mean, I'd, I'd love to have that little bit of information. I mean, were they going to get on a boat? Were they going to be like pirates? Were they going to sink the other boat? If he got on a boat, he's going to Syria. I mean, can he not get on the boat and go to Syria and everything's okay? I mean, how are they going to impede him? Apparently something happened that he puts on a, a, a little fake, you know, where he sends the advance party out on a boat, and then he travels by what? By foot, back to Macedonia. The body of Christ is fun, and we're going to see this again in just a, even more as we come through each of these. So we have Sopater Berea. He's called a son of Pyrrhus. Now, that's in the New American Standard and the ESV, but it's not in the, the King James or the New King James, and that's because, again, that's a debate within the, the Greek's um, text, okay? So no big deal. It doesn't really matter from my perspective whose son he is, okay? So, but potentially he's the son of Pyrrhus, okay? Aristarchus, Secundus, and Gaius of Thessalonica are an interesting group of guys, though, okay? We want to spend just a moment on them. So Aristarchus, first of all, his li- name literally means best ruling or ruler. He is of the ruling class. That is how he has a name like that. And you say, what's the big deal? Because of the second guy, literally, that's with him. His name is second, Secundus. It was a name or a title given to slaves, servants. You had the first and the second. I wish Gabrielle was still in here. Um, any of you guys know Arab, um, Arabic? Who knows Arabic? Okay, so Wahed is what? One. What's two? Ithnane. Ithnane. I should remember that because that's the one. And so Jessica, my, my Wahed, and, and Gabrielle, my Ithnane, would would battle each other because Wahed and Ithnane doesn't sound very good in English, does it? And if they learned anything from Arabic, they learned Wahed and Ithnane, Wahed, Ithnane. Anyways, and so that's what it, so, so for a while, Gabrielle was Ithnane, you know, don't do it. She's, she's watching me and she's thinking, Dad, I could kill you right now. Anyways, but anyways, that's the, kind of the idea, okay? Secundus, that was just a title. We don't even know his name. And so you got a guy from the ruling class traveling with a guy from the Servant class. Isn't this kind of cool? Serving Christ by serving his servant. And then you got this guy named Gaius, who is has multiple references in the Bible, but he can't be all of those guys, because one of the guy one of the Gaiuses looks like he's potentially from Corinth. One of the Gaiuses looks like he's from Thessalonica, like here. Okay? So potentially not the same guy. But if he is the same guy, this is a well-loved guy. This is the one that John writes to his third epistle to. Okay? And so this is a, 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 a great guy too, one who is serving the church. And, and uh, the, the church literally in Rome, one of them was, was meeting in his house, okay? So just a great guy. And so you've got this, this group of guys coming together, okay? They're all Thess, Thess, from Thessalonica, okay? I don't know whether they knew each other in Thessalonica. Some of you... People, I never, I would never have met you. You're living in Augusta, and you lived in Augusta for years, but we'd never met if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, it wasn't for the church. Make sense? And so in Christ, they come together for a common purpose. 1 Corinthians 12 is so clear about how God puts together multiple people for a common purpose, and that he gives us gifts in order to minister to one another. Do you track with me? Okay. And so I want to ask you a question right as we come through this. What are you doing for the kingdom of God? 
How are you serving God in his kingdom? Now, it doesn't have to be in the same role I do. It doesn't have to be in the same role that Mark does for AV or David today with the AV. It doesn't have to be in the same role as an Anna or a Gabrielle or a Justin. Or, you know what I'm saying? It could be. It doesn't have to be. There are multiple roles in the kingdom of God to be used for his purpose. How are you allowing your talents to be used to further his kingdom? Well, then we have <clears throat> Timothy of Derby. We don't have to say a whole lot about him. He is the, the, the spiritual son of Paul, who, who is going to be very instrumental um, in the church of Ephesus and many other places, right? And then finally, we have these two guys named Tychicus and Trophimus of Asia. And again, Tro- Trophimus, we know, is from Asia, or from, sorry, from Ephesus. Um, and I believe it's Trophimus. I could be wrong on that. But I believe it's Trophimus that when we get to Jerusalem, is going to be the cause of all the uproar in Jerusalem. Not because he's there, but because people are going to say, hey, we saw this guy, okay? And they just assumed that he was in the temple and he wasn't in the temple. But he's there with them all the way into Jerusalem, okay? So he's following Paul all the way through this journey that we're going to be taking over the next couple of weeks, okay? And I meant to mention that in the very beginning, that Paul's actually beginning his journey this, to Jerusalem. And it's going to take us multiple weeks to finally get to Jerusalem. And then when we get to Jerusalem, we know it's going to happen there, right? He's going to start being handed over so he can start um, witnessing to all the kings and such as we go. Okay, And then you finally have the main party that leaves, but they don't leave until after the Feast of Unleavened Bread. What do we commonly refer to the Feast of Unleavened Bread? We Say it again. Passover. Okay, and So remember, Passover is a one-day feast on Nisan 14. Okay, Then Unleavened Bread began on Nisan 15, and it was a seven-day feast. Okay, But the Jews had taken Passover and and unleavened bread, and they slammed them together. And Passover literally became the day of preparation for the, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, okay? And so it became an eight-day feast from that perspective, okay? And so they waited till after what we would refer to as Passover, okay, which was unleavened bread, and, and then they, they traveled on, okay? And Paul then wants to, think about this, Paul then wants to be in Jerusalem by when? Pentecost. How long is that? They left right after unleavened bread. They want to be in Jerusalem by Pentecost. 50 days. Yeah, 50 days. Okay, 50 days. That's exactly right. Okay, so, so we're not told time, but we're told time based upon those two statements. Does that make sense? So it's, again, little details that God wants us to have. Okay, so we have that. So now we come to the meeting. Okay, again, only two verses or so on the meeting proper that are there, <clears throat> three verses, and then we have the miracle that works in the middle. But the first thing we want to come through is ask the question, when did they meet? Well, they met on the first of the week. They met at the first of the week, the first day of the week, okay? And so that we refer to that as Sunday, but it wasn't Sunday. I want to challenge your thinking here just a moment, okay? When did Sunday begin to you all? as Americans. Midnight. That's not when it began in the Jewish mind. Okay? Again, you have to think Jewish here. Okay? The Jewish day begins at sundown, from sundown to sundown. So Shabbat, Sabbath, begins on Friday at sundown, and it ends on Saturday at sundown. Okay? <clears throat> and if you remember, Paul and the other believers, until there was a, the great divide, they continued to go to synagogue on Shabbat, okay? But then they would continue to meet, and that's what we're seeing right here, okay? Is that 
the, the church got together on the first day of the week. But you know from the context of what we just read, what time of the day was it? It was the evening. It was Saturday night, what we refer to as Saturday night. That's when they met. Because that was the beginning of the first day of the week. Okay? And so what we may look at, we may not have time to look at 1 Corinthians 11 a little bit later, but they would have what they refer to as the love feast. I believe the love feast was the end of Shabbat meal. Okay? So um, the Jews would get together and they would have their Shabbat meal, beginning of Shabbat, but then they would have an end of Shabbat meal. Okay? And I believe that's what the, the church, as primarily Jews and then Gentiles coming in, had together, they had this end of Shabbat meal together, which they referred to then as the love feast, okay? And so they would come together to eat together, okay? But specifically then, we want to get to the why, because if we have another question, we have to come through another thing of thinking, and that's where I think theology is going to come to play here a little bit, or at least practical theology, and that's why did they get together? Well, we're told specifically they came together to break bread, okay? Now, we have to ask the question, what does breaking bread mean? Because later on in the passage, we're told that after Eutychus is um, brought back to life, that Paul comes back up, continues to teach, and they break bread together, okay? So what is this breaking bread? Breaking bread can mean either common meal or it can mean either a commemorative meal, which we just participated in earlier today. In just a little bit, we're going to participate in the common meal. So we've already had the commemorative meal, <clears throat> and in a little bit, we're going to have the common meal. Now, in this verse, though, okay, in verse uh, verse 7, okay, it says they came together to break bread, okay? Literally, again, if you don't like the Greek, put your fingers in your ear, but there's an articular infinitive going on there, okay? You say, well, wow, okay, I don't have a clue what that is. An infinitive is your basic verb kind of concept, okay? It's to run, to shop, to walk, to go. So when you put that to in it, okay? But an articular infinitive puts a definite article with it. A definite article goes with a noun. It doesn't go with a verb. Now, if it's a parsable, which is a verbal adjective, that's okay. That's kind of fun. But an infinitive is not that. You say, well, how does that happen? Well, when you want it to be a definitive thing, you put the definitive article with it. It becomes an articular infinitive. Okay? So it's not just breaking bread. It's to the breaking bread. To the breaking bread. Okay? So to the breaking. So there's a specific breaking of bread that's going on here. I think it's referring to as what we refer to as communion. That if you go back to Acts chapter 2, when the church, we're told, got together and they stuck with the disciples, right? And they, they had the breaking of bread. That was communion. And then later on in, in 2, verse 49, I think it is, it said they went house to house breaking of bread together, and they had fellowship with one another. Again, there are two different breaking of breads. There is the commemorative breaking of bread and the common breaking of bread. And so I believe this first one is they got together on the first day of the week in order to have communion. Okay? So I'll let that go there. But that's what I believe. Okay? I'm okay with doing it once a month, but I don't have a problem with it if we had communion every week. I think it's what the early church did. The early church got together. No, I'm good. Thanks. That, that the early church got together in order to commemorate the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. And Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. The debate always is, is what does oft mean? 
Does it mean as often as you celebrate Pentecost? Because then you do it, what? Once a month. Okay? So a lot of people say that we do it this way because it's the New Moon Festival. Now, I'm not quite sure I see the New Moon Festival in the New Testament. But that's why, theoretically, okay, um, you do it the first Sunday of the month. It's because it's the, the Jewish people did the New Moon Festival and that kind of stuff. So, so it's just kind of, it's out there, okay? That's what I think it says, okay? So what did they do as a whole? Well, clearly they had their commemorative meal. But then what we see is that they had a discussion of God's word. And how long was this discussion of God's word? Say again. All night long. Now, I don't know if every week it was all night long. But they had a special guy in town. Make sense? And they wanted to what? They wanted to pick his brain. They wanted to get everything they could out of him. Think about that. They wanted everything they could. They wanted to know God's word. And they were willing to stay all night to get it. Does that challenge you at all? Do you start to get a little nervous at 11.30? Thinking, I wonder if he's going to be done by, you know, when are we going to get done? When it gets 11.45, I haven't looked at the clock, it was 11.30, there we go. When it it hits 11.45, do you start to really, you know, like, uh, I I know, Rodney, I got it. Do you need to just maybe stand up and stretch a little bit? Uh, You know, kind of sitting there for a while. I used to joke all the time. Uh, anyways, you go to China in Africa, those people walk a long way in order to come hear the word of God. And they think you're ripping them off if you only talk for half an hour, 45 minutes. Because they invested so much to hear the word of God. We have it so in abundance that I think we take it for granted. But then when we go home, we don't read it anyway. We don't listen to it. Do you get it? We, we, we become so replete with it, we say, oh, we don't need it, but then we don't get it at all. So they had a discussion of God's word. Dialogue. There was a conversation going on. He taught them. He expounded. He opened it up to them. But there was conversation that, had, that went on. And then we're told, that they did break bread. They did eat together. They had, they had food. They had fellowship as it was going on, okay? So that's like when we have care group, we always say bring food, you know? Not because we're just gluttons. Well, we are. But anyways, some of us can be. Anyways, um, but the reality is that it's eat together, okay? So as John, Mark and John, Mark was talking about communion together, okay? The, the concept is that fellowship that comes together, okay? And so eating together is an important thing, okay? So they did that. 1 Corinthians 11, again, we don't have time really to go through that, but if you go to 1 Corinthians 11 and read it, there's an admonition to the church going against them because they were coming together and they weren't considering one another, but that they were eating ahead of one another and they were being rude to one another. And yet when they have communion, when they do the Lord's Supper, right, they were supposed to be saying that we were what? We were one in Christ. And yet they weren't showing the oneness because one's bringing a steak and the other one's not bringing anything. The rich people are going to eat and the poor people ate nothing, okay? And he says, this thing ought not to be so. But in that, it's really kind of fun. He says, there's schisms. It's revealing the schisms that are in you, which is very important. Because schisms prove that you're really not of Christ. This is a real challenging thing. You can go read it. If you're not thinking about other people, 
then you don't have the mind of Christ. When you're only thinking about yourself, who are you worshiping? So the mind of Christ, Philippians chapter 2, is that you consider the needs of others and the values of others above your own. That's the mind of Christ. And that's why he says, then judge yourself, let you, that you're not judged. He says that you're eating and drinking of the body and blood of Christ unworthily. It's only juice. It's only cracker. But it's what it represents. In your attitude, in how you eat, what it represents. I appreciated, Mark, you bringing up 1 Corinthians 11 and reading that admonition prior to it. So they had the meeting. Well, that slides then into this miracle, right? Um, Just an amazing story, again, that we're not given a whole lot of information on, but it's there for us to know that it happened, right? Paul was responsible for this whole thing because he was a long-winded preacher. You know how we'd respond to that today? We'd make sure that every church had bars in their windows so that people couldn't fall out the windows. Or good lawyers. Yeah, well, that was after the lawsuit. So the, the Eutychus' whole team would have had a major lawsuit. You know, his whole family would be millionaires right now. But all churches would be forced to have bars in their window. You know, because the insurance companies would come in and say, you know, we can't have this happen again. You guys better have all these things going on in there. And so, but it's an amazing thing. So Paul's preaching long into the night. Eutychus is a young man. Now, we're not told specifically how old he is, but I'm thinking he's a teenager. Okay, older teen, maybe younger 20s. Okay, And he wants to hear Paul. But understand, he might have been working all day and working all week. He's tired. Why do you think he's probably sitting in the window? To get a breeze, keep going. Why? To keep himself awake. He's trying to get fresh air. Try to, you know, that's in my brain. I mean, it doesn't say that, but I'm, that's what I'm thinking. He's there in this window, you know, because he's just trying to stay awake, right? It doesn't work. He what? Falls asleep. Now, we're told specifically that he falls three floors. That's kind of neat, too. Let us know that it's not just a, a single-story house or it's not a two-story house, but actually this was a three-story house, which was meant that somebody who had some money owned this house. Does it make sense? Okay, little details that are kind of thrown in here, okay? And so he falls. Now, I don't know what he fell onto, but if if it's like a normal area, it's probably a hardened uh, pavement that's below. It's probably not like us today thinking you have all the sod, the flowers, the bushes, and everything else that are going on that's cushioning your fall, okay? So he falls. And when they first get there, it's like when they first found Paul, right? He looked like he was what? Dead. From all intents and purposes, there was a dead body there. Paul does what? He falls on the body. Come on. Oh, it's not there. Oh, well, forget it. Don't worry about that. He, so the, my third point there was <laughs> that it's like Elijah. Okay, and you have that, hopefully, in your sermon note sheets, okay? That he's like Elijah, where Elijah with the, the, the widow's son, right, who dies, and he, and he goes in and he lays on to the widow's son, and, and, he, and, he, and he brings, brings the, the child back to life. This is an amazing moment, because for Paul, and I think it's why it's written, okay? For Paul, it's another increase, another step 
in the miracles that God's doing through him, the power that God is working through Paul. It, again, substantiates, if you would, the ministry of Paul. This is huge because the teaching of Paul, for many, is very contrary to the teaching of the law. It's not. It builds on top of it. But for many, it's not. So if you remember that guy I told you about, the, the Messianic guy who wanted to use it, the previous church I was at, use our facility, and I had that conversation with him. And, and I asked him specifically, well, what do you do with people who worship on the first day of the week? And he says, well, God's going to give you a chance to repent at the judgment seat, right? And I said, well, what do you do then with um, Colossians? And I mean, I'm just, you know, he knew exactly where I was going to go. And the vehemence, I hate Paul. I hate Paul. I wish he was never, you know, and I mean, it was just there. Why? Because the writings of Paul are many times what we understand and we go to as the basis of our theology. Okay? And so, if God hadn't substantiated his word through Paul, through many signs and wonders, the Jewish sector of the church may never would have accepted his truth. Does it make sense? And so now you have this miracle that equates to the miracle that Elijah, the prophet, I mean, one of the biggies, did himself. And so now what are you going to say? Know anybody else? Um, another prophet, another apostle that did a miracle like this? Yeah, I heard it. Peter, yeah, exactly. We, we talked about that earlier in the book of Acts, okay? And so you have the two main apostles, Peter and Paul, that God is doing these major signs and wonders through. I mean, think about it. We didn't talk about it last week, but I meant to bring it up even with Peter, where when we talked about the, the superstitions thing, about how, you know, the lady touched the, the hem of Jesus' garment, but people were bringing people out so that the, the shadow of Peter could even, what, pass over him, and people were being healed. I mean, just an amazing thing what God was doing through these two guys, okay? And so again, I want to bang that in, okay? I'm not saying that God's not going to work miraculous things through any single one of us, okay? But he doesn't have to. He specifically chooses individuals that he works through in mighty ways to bring forth his message. Does that make sense? And I just see too many people today, too many teachers, trying to make people feel bad that they don't have the power. They don't have the power to do this. They don't have the power to do that. And if you can't do this, you can't be saved. God didn't work that way. At least that's not what I'm seeing in the book of Acts, in the New Testament, okay? So, finally then, um, the mission. Paul goes into what his mission was. Well, his target, very clearly, is to be in Jerusalem by Pentecost. And so, um, the trip though, yeah, it's not going to come up. Troas, Asos, Mytilene. So I had a little, the, the things going there, uh, where he's going to go. So, so he's going from Troas, okay, and then he takes a little boat ride to Ace. Well, they do. The rest of his team does. He puts them all on a boat. I wonder what this is too. Give me some information. Why is he doing this? He puts his team on a boat, and they go around the Cape to Troas, whereas he's just going to walk. And they pick him up in Asos. Why is that? Again, is he throwing people off the, the track? You know, is there... Are there people who are, are looking at hounding him, trying to kill him? You know, are they going to be waiting for him at the dock, waiting for him at the wharf, and, and he's trying to avoid them? It's something to think about, okay? I mean, I, I don't want to avoid this because, because there's part of the, the fact that I live in this world, right? And I have to deal with the things that are going on in this world. And I can pray for God's protection, but there's times when my self-preservation kind of takes over, doesn't it? Okay? So I can't answer why he did what he did, 
okay? But they pick them up at ASOS, and then from ASOS, they go down to Middling, okay? And so they stay the night in Middling, okay? Now, remember, he's hurrying, okay? So, but he's been hurrying from this point on, and he stopped at Troas, right? And then he goes opposite a kiosk, which is here. And again, there is reason. Think about the details that are given to us about this trip. You're not given details about the other trip. He went to, to Macedonia, went through Macedonia, went all through Greece, and came back through Greece and all through Macedonia. We're not told anything about the itinerary. Now I'm given a stop-by-stop-by-stop itinerary. I can't, t- I can't tell you why. But I can tell you God thinks it's important for you to know. And that's why I'm doing this. Details are important. Never forget, God put everything in his word for a reason. I may not understand why stopping opposite a kiosk is, a, is, a, is a, an important thing, but maybe they're going to find some archaeological evidence based upon that one little statement, and it's going to testify to the accuracy and validity of God's word. Do you understand? Okay, and there's so many of these little things like this that happen. And so they go from opposite a kiosk, and then they go to Samos, or to Trogilium, okay? And then he stops in Miletus for the night, and that's where David's going to pick this up next week, okay, as he's going to talk to the, the elders of Ephesus, because he doesn't want to stop in Ephesus, because he's getting afraid of suck, he's going to get sucked in. You know, sucked into what? More teaching and fellowship. Okay, this goes back into what we talked about either last week or two weeks ago, where <clears throat> your dedication to God sometimes trumps your ministry to people. That sounds awful, but it's a fact. For whatever reason, he wants to be in Pentecost. He wants to be in Jerusalem by Pentecost. Again, probably another commitment to God that he's made. And he knows if he stops at Ephesus. Say again? He's not going to make it. Because he loves the people. And he loves teaching God's word. You want to get me off my my schedule and get me off my track? Just start talking about God's word. I mean, I, I met a guy on Wednesday night. So it was fun. Uh, Steve and Jose got to meet a, a, a woman and got great fellowship with her for the longest time. And I'm just going house to 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 house. And I think I got to talk to literally two people in all that house to house to house, house. You know, open up the door, take my stuff, you know, and I mean, just real quick conversations, you know, like. But finally, toward the end, like at 6.30, 6.25, I get to meet a guy. That I met in the past, actually, that I didn't realize until he said, "Ah, yeah, I know you. You sold me your truck." Anyways, so uh, I said, "Are we friends anyway?" Anyway, so um, he knew all the issues when he bought it. Um, we stood there and talked for 35. We got here like right at seven o'clock. The longest time. It was a great conversation. Okay, but he finally told me to go. I told him 10 minutes beforehand I got to go because I. I had on my kids' club shirt. I said, I, I'm, I'm leading the kids' club. i got to go. And, uh, but then we started another conversation, right? He's not a believer. And so, um, and so I'm talking. We're talking. I'm talking. And, and we're having a great conversation. He's invited me back. I'm, pray for me on that one because I want to go back, okay? And, and so, um, but he finally had to tell me, you need to go. I said, You're right. I do. I do. You want to get me off my schedule? That's Paul. I love it. Paul knows he can't stop in Ephesus because if he stops at Ephesus, he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. He's just going to get so sucked into ministry. So he has to get the elders to come over to meet him in Miletus. So in the end, what do you see as your purpose in the body of Christ? 
How are you serving in the kingdom of God? I really want to encourage you. You may be an Aristarchus. You may be a Gaius. You may be a Secundus. We, none of us want to admit that we may be a Secundus. But we all ought to be Secundus in Christ. You know? And, and I didn't share it, but a little thought on Secundus as well. There was a, um, E3 um, had a, a little part of their ministry, which is called I Am Second. Okay, I don't know if you ever had the, the I Am Second. I, I didn't like it. I, I loved it. I loved it. So I loved the videos. But there was one thing I had a problem with it. I'm not second. I'm actually what? Last, or if I want to put a number to it, third. Okay? Because it's God first. Who's second? Others. And then me. Make sense? And so a lot of times we miss that part and, and we put me before others. And so I'm actually last or I'm, I'm third. That's more Christ-like, okay? But secundus, okay? So he, he understood that. Who are you then in the body of Christ? Are you doing something to minister into the body of Christ? What do you see as the purpose for the gathering of the church? And why did you come today? Did you come today because this is just what you're supposed to do on Sunday mornings? You were brought up this way. I'd feel bad if I didn't come. I'm raising my kids, and I want my kids to have this moral upbringing, and so it's the best place to do it. I mean, I'm not going to take them out to the park because they say, all oh, there's rats out there. Might as well come to the church. At least they tell them good things. Why did you come? Did you come to glorify God, to learn from his word, to fellowship with other believers, to encourage one another to love and good works? There's a lot of verses in God's word to talk about that. We're getting ready to have dinner. You may have came today and you weren't planning to come have dinner. And I'm not going to try to make you feel bad if you don't stay, okay? I don't, I don't mean that way. But I want to encourage you. If you didn't plan to come and you're saying to yourself, oh, maybe I, there's always plenty of food. Don't worry about running down to Publix or wherever to get some. There's always plenty of food. I've never had to eat green beans if I didn't want to. Okay? For real, okay? So there's always plenty of food. Please stay for the fellowship. Even if you can only stay for a half an hour or 45 minutes, you're going to stop someplace to eat any place anyway, whether it's at home or someplace else. Stop here. Have fellowship with the saints. And then leave. Then have the rest of your day. Okay? But this is the opportunity to have the fellowship with one another. Okay? How committed are you to learn God's word? It's a big deal. Again, we talked about that almost exact same question from last week. Because the, the people came to the um, school of Tyrannus to learn it. He was there for two years. But these people today were willing to stay up all night, through the night, knowing they were working the next day. They didn't have Sunday off. They weren't Americans. It was just a, a work day to them. And so they were going to study and talk Bible all night. And then when Paul was leaving on his trip, they're going to go to work. Would you do that? willingly, desiringly, in order to learn more from God's word? Or would you say, no, i got to call a quit set, and you put your time in? Is there then a need to change the way you think, and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your long-sufferingness with us. Lord, you have a, a desire for your assembly, for your body. And as you were unveiling that mystery, as we've been looking at through the book of Acts, you've been unveiling the mystery of the church. Lord, you have revealed to us as well how you wanted the church to continually proclaim your truth to the world, Lord, that you wanted them to be committed 
in the process of doing that as well. Whether it was the laying down their lives um, to, to, for others to hear the gospel, whether it is the commitment of their time, commitment of their schedule, commitment of their abilities. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that. Help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Laying everything else aside, realizing that you have equipped us, you've given us talents, you've given us abilities to use for the kingdom's purpose. I thank you, Lord, for Aristarchus and for Secundus and for Gaius. I thank you for, for Timothy and for Trophimus, for Tychicus. Lord, that these men were, were willing to be used by you in support roles, that all we read about them is in a support role, that they weren't the main, but they wanted to magnify you and have your word spread. Help us to be willing to serve in that capacity as well. For your glory, in Christ's name, amen.